the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Does the name Patrick Wojan mean anything to you? Well, Patrick just got 30 years uh, in prison, that is, for possession and distribution of child sexual abuse material. He pled guilty to 100 counts. Uh, he was arrested back in March after the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children told the cops about a social media account that he had that had distributed suspected child pornography. This guy's 48 years old. He has a chance to get a few years out on the street after spending what probably will be a not-so-pleasant several years in the can. I hear the inmates are not real fond of child abusers. That's what I've been told. But here's the thing about Patrick Wojan. He was the mayor of College Park, Maryland, which is where the main campus of the University of Maryland is located. And surprisingly enough, he's also a Democrat. The judge actually sentenced him to 150 years in prison yesterday, which is probably a few years less than he should have gotten. But she suspended all but 30 years of it. So he will be eligible for parole parole after he serves 25% of the sentence, which I guess was seven and a half years. So Patrick has some good friends in high places, too. One of his good buddies is Pete Buttigieg, the... Uh, incompetent secretary of transportation who happens to be married to a man. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, Patrick is also gay and has a husband. The assistant state attorney said that investigators found videos and images of more than 500 kids just on his cell phone. Uh, He was mayor of College Park for seven years. He resigned uh, just before he was arrested. And he was a major LGBTQ activist in that area of Maryland. I just thought we should give you, you know, give him some pub, I should say, since the media probably won't find time to give it much coverage. They don't like to talk about Democrat pedophiles, you know. Anyway, uh, when we come back, speaking of the media, our media expert Jeff McCall will be here to talk about Elon Musk and Donald Trump going after some of your favorite media outlets. And in our second half hour, how the U.S. Census Bureau is planning to use $10 million to promote Transgender insanity. Stick around. Well, Elon uh, Musk doesn't mess around. He didn't like uh, what was happening with Twitter, so he bought it, uh, fired more than, I think, half of the employees, and changed the name to X. Now he's suing a left-wing media site called Media Matters. And uh, that brings us to our media expert uh, from DePaul University, Professor of Communications, Jeff McCall. Good to have you back on, Jeff. Thanks. Thank you very much, John. So um, Media Matters created a bogus report, I guess, that said that X was running ads for a bunch of major corporations that appeared next to pro-Nazi content, uh, but it was all a lie. I think they may have bitten off more than they can chew here. Well, they may well have. 
Uh, Media Matters, as uh, probably most of your listeners know, is a very rank and partisan and activist organization. Uh, And it's not designed to really, like, uh, analyze or look at the media landscape broadly. It is an organization that is designed specifically to push left-wing causes or or maybe even radical causes uh, on the left of, of politics. Uh, and it's it's got a long track record of causing problems. And um, I'm, I'm not surprised that they would try to do something to smear Elon Musk, because uh, Elon Musk represents the kind of uh, media landscape that the people on the hard progressive left detest the most, because he wants an open marketplace of ideas. He wants the free flow of information. Uh, and that's scary to people on the progressive radical side of things who want to manage and manipulate the media marketplace like we see through most social media sites. So Media Matters, of course, um, created or concocted basically this notion uh, that uh, big-time advertisers are having their ads pop up next to um, extremist right-wing organizations, anti-Semitic organizations, and pro-Nazi organizations, uh, and said that that was kind of consistent with the way uh, Elon Musk was running his website or his media platform, which is X, uh, Twitter. And so Elon Musk, of course, is fighting back now to say, no, that is not typical, that that was not by design. And in fact, that Media Matters even had to create the situation or the scenario with fake users to try to provide that thing. The, the danger here, though, is that so many big media advertisers got uh, scared off by what Media Matters reported, and as Musk says, reported falsely or erroneously, uh, and withdrew their advertising from X. So this really is an attempt by Media Matters uh, to get into the business or to get advertisers out of the X business, and it really has a financial implication. And I'm not surprised that Musk is going after him. Mean, he has to. He, he, number one, there's a lot of money writing on this for his own X. Uh, media platform, but it also is allowing uh, a progressive uh, radical website, Media Matters, uh, to push falsehoods that imply that Musk himself is sympathetic uh, to uh, anti-Semitic causes. Yeah, and he's a Nazi, and th- those com- those uh, companies, uh, Apple, IBM, Xfinity, to name a few, they did. They immediately pulled their ads. Uh, should anybody really be surprised by that, though? No, because they get, they get skittish at the first thought that they're siding with radicals. And I must say, over the years, advertiser boycotts don't normally work very well. But in the short term, uh, they can be very disruptive to media platforms that rely on advertising. And I think that's the problem here is that Elon Musk relies on those big advertisers to provide revenue for Twitter slash X. Uh, and when he is getting smeared and they believe it, they're going to pull their stuff out of there. And I think that's the weirdest thing here is that Media Matters, uh, and it's run by a guy, the, the founder is a guy named David Brock, mm-hmm. who, who has over the years uh, been highly radical high, so to speak. Uh, you know, he's anti everything that uh, kind of most traditional Americans would be in favor of. Mm-hmm. And so it's not surprising that Media Matters would take off on this kind of an, of an approach. But it's very disappointing because it really disrupts the marketplace. And I must say, uh, I commend Musk for going after them. 
because Media Matters has played fast and loose over the years, but a lot of people are afraid to take them on or just figure it's not worth their trouble or they don't have the time to. But Musk had to do it, and I'm glad he did. And Now, it's hard to say whether this lawsuit will actually go anywhere uh, because there's going to be a lot to prove, and it's going to be hard to prove because Media Matters is not going to be very forthcoming, I'm sure, in terms of how they manipulated uh, the, the, the placement of this uh, of these fake sites or these fake users onto uh, the X Twitter website, but we'll see. And uh, uh, you know, I think Musk wants to stay in court, and it'll be interesting to see if he can ever collect. And I'm not sure he can, but at least he's engaging the fight. Now, I must say that's one thing I think has to happen is in the broad rhetorical sphere, uh, the people who feel like they're being pushed around by the left-wing media at some point have to fight back, and if they don't. They're just letting the marketplace of ideas being taken over by what are essentially propagandists. And and Trump kind of showed them the way there. Um, but me, could Media Matters even think that they could get away with this if they didn't know that the uh, default position of the most of the media would be to agree with whatever they say is happening? Is that... These big advertisers never even followed up to try to find out whether the accusations were true or not. It was a knee-jerk reaction. They run afraid at the the least little bit of accusation. And my guess is most of these big advertisers who pulled out never even bothered to call uh, Elon Musk or his operatives at X to say, hey, what's going on here? Is Is there any truth to this? They just reacted to the marketplace right away because they run scared. And, you know, it's kind of gutless, but I must say big corporate media and, you know, even non-media corporations uh, don't really have the guts to stand up to the ideological orthodoxy that is imposed out there. And ultimately, we're all underserved by that kind of gutlessness. Yeah, and I, I just I wonder um, what will the uh, Musk is he's saying this is a thermonuclear lawsuit that he's going to he's filed. And uh, as you said, it could expose Media Matters for what it actually is and what it's been doing for about 25 years. But what are the chances that anybody, that the rest of the media, or at least 90% of the media, will even care? If it, even if his Media Matters is exposed to have done exactly what Elon Musk says it did? Well, it won't be covered by the New York Times or the Washington Post or CNN. They'll just look the other way and say, nothing to see here, folks. Uh, and they'll ignore what Media Matters has been doing for a long time, because I must say there are a lot of people in those establishment media operations that basically agree with Media Matters and what they're doing in terms of promoting dogmatic orthodoxy, uh, but they're just not doing it in quite such a blatant way or in such a crash-and-burn way that Media Matters has done over the years. And why the media are obsessed with X because you're, you're it's okay... To you can either be liberal, but you, you can't be just a, a conservative as opposed to liberal. If you're not liberal, you must be a Nazi, or, or yeah. you're you're just out of your mind and you're a right wing fanatic. There's no there's no uh, there's there's it's just that cut and dry to them. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And under First Amendment philosophy, you know there should be in the world opportunity for a range of opinions. And an understanding that a lot of people are going to have different opinions than you and that there's a functional interdependence that we all get to have our say 
uh, and that we don't necessarily have to condemn or demonize each other along the way. And I think that's one of the problems here is that you've got, you know, uh, the Zuckerbergs of the world and the David Brocks of the world who want to demonize everybody who doesn't get in line with their orthodoxy. And that's really kind of the uh, trademark of uh, authoritarianism. Uh, and again, they can't pull it off in the same way that you could in a third world nation. But in terms of the marketplace of ideas, they're working very hard to limit the range of ideas and to kind of narrow uh, the, the, the possibility for other voices to be heard, even moderate ones. And I think that's a very dangerous kind of thing when orthodoxy takes over the marketplace of ideas. And, you know, it's kind of funny to think that there was a time when Elon Musk was kind of a darling of the left. Yeah. I mean, here's a guy who's manufacturing electronic you know, electric vehicles. Here's a guy who's wanting to test the boundaries of space. Here's a guy who's a, a foreign national who's all into globalism. And they used to love all that kind of stuff. But at a certain point, Elon Musk said, hey, I want my own media platform. I'm going to I'm going to acquire Twitter and rename it. I'm going to allow the free flow of ideas. And by the way, I think that a lot of the uh, left-wing media are not allowing for the free flow of ideas. And all of a sudden, then he's demonized and he's one of the bad guys. But it is funny to think that he was one time a darling of the left. And it, and it took about five minutes after he bought it before for it to start. And, and, yeah, I mean, yeah. It was blatant. And the thing is, what's happening at Twitter and at X, I mean, they have ways to try to limit hate speech. They have ways to try to limit conspiracy theories and that sort of thing. But they're not in bed with the government, the Biden administration. They are going to allow a lot of people to propose ideas or to have discussions and arguments uh, that are not in line with the progressive left. Uh, and, and that's where, you know, Facebook and Instagram, all those places, TikTok, all they, they want to limit the range of ideas. And Musk is saying, let the marketplace work out there uh, unless it is extremist stuff that is calling, uh, inciting violence. Uh, or engaging in blatant hate, uh, he kind of wants these things to, you know, to, to uh, percolate, so to speak, in the marketplace of ideas. And I think that's the thing: is media matters, uh, Zuckerberg, Facebook, those places. They do not want the marketplace of ideas to work as our First Amendment founders would want. We're talking to Jeff McCall. He's a professor of communications at DePaul University. He also uh, is a media critic at The Hill. Um, so Donald Trump, uh, Jeff, is suing around 20 media outlets, I guess, for defamation because their erroneous reports about how much uh, money his truth uh, social platform made this year. Um, could this be another example of wishful thinking journalism on the part of the defendants in this suit? Because they, they well, I... exaggerated the he lost money, but they pretty much doubled what the number was because yeah. they liked that story better. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and again, this is, uh, you know, whatever you think of Trump, uh, and I know, you know, people have a wide range of opinions on Trump as a politician, but I will say for this for him, he's not willing to sit back and take erroneous or nope. defamatory communication directed at him sitting down. And he's filed a $1.5 billion lawsuit against these 20 media organizations because they inaccurately uh, reported on how much money his truth social uh, media platform had lost. And he's saying that this disrupted his business, his ability uh, to attract investors for that organization. And he's in talks to have his truth social merged with another media organization. 
which would, of course, give that other company cold feet to try to uh, you know, institute a merger. Mm-hmm. When the reported loss for Truth Social was $73 million instead of what is more accurately in the mid-30s somewhere. So they basically doubled the amount of loss. And one of the things that Trump brought up in his lawsuit that I find very interesting, and he's filed against 20 different news organizations, because he's, he's pointing out basically that journalism in this day and age, establishment journalism, acts in a pack. Mm-hmm. And so he's pointing out here that the figure reported was incorrect, but that all 20 of these media organizations had the same incorrect information and the exact same number incorrect, which he's saying that they were coordinating to incorrectly report about his operation. And if you look at some of the headlines from, like, The Hollywood Reporter, it says Trump's Truth Social has lost $73 million since launch. Uh, and this is from Reuters. Trump's Truth Social reports $73 million net loss since launch. Rolling Stone. Trump's Truth Social takes massive loss of $23 million. The headlines are almost all the same. And so clearly they had it wrong, and they were all wrong together. And part of the question is, well, who got it wrong first? Because it seems like they're all copying each other. And my guess is a lot of these reporters of these 20 news organizations didn't do any of their independent research. They were just borrowing from each other's original reporting, which was incorrect. Uh, and that's kind of a dangerous thought, too, that you don't have any independent enterprising journalist who would look at the at the headline of a competing news organization and think, maybe I'd better go check that out myself and instead just report it you know, with a straight face as though it's accurate. So the question is, who's doing the sourcing for these stories? Because apparently the sources are the competing news organizations. Yeah, and uh, 31 million isn't as much fun for them as 73 million. So they're happy to see that seventy-three million and jump all over it, and without questioning it. And and again, yeah. I, I think what will be missing here, uh, except maybe in court, is any effort by these media outlets to lower that number down to the real number. Yeah. A, a handful, a fact. handful of these news organizations have actually gone onto their websites to issue corrections. Okay, they're looking to say, save oh, some the, money. The, the original report of $73 million was incorrect, and it's, you know, it's $35 million or yeah. whatever the number they replaced it with. But not all of them have. And, in fact, when they've run the corrections, there has been no apology uh, issued with it to say, oh, here's how we got it wrong, or no explanation to say, well, we really should have written this, but it was this, and our reporter got the de- details wrong or anything. It's just like, oh, the original report was wrong by you know, over 50%, uh, and we're going to try to make it look like we're blending in the correction here with the original argument. But the main point of this story that they wrote, all of these people who are reporting about Trump's truth social, is the narrative is that Trump is not an effective businessman, mm-hmm. uh, that he created this competing uh, social media platform and lost money on it, uh, but they want to report that it's big money, and $35 million is still big money, but they want to make it look that it's even worse than it is. And this is all just part of an effort that if Trump's got his hands on anything, there must be a negative narrative that has to attach to it. Uh, some comparisons are being made to Hulk Hogan, the wrestler. Um, uh, this was a few years ago. He uh, went after Gawker, the old uh, site that doesn't exist anymore because he put him out of business with his lawsuit. Um, he sued them for $150 million for kind of the same reason that Trump is suing. It was a defamation suit. But Trump is suing for $1.5 billion. 
I think uh, and, you know, it could be the be same thing. To see how, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how far this goes. You know, Trump has a very high bar to get over to win this libel suit because he has to be able to prove coordination, which will be hard. He also has to prove malicious intent. And it's possible these news organizations will step forward and say, oh, yeah, we got some details wrong, but we didn't do it on purpose. It was just a clerical or typographical yeah. error or something like that. And with the way libel laws you know, administered in the United States today, a public figure like Trump and his organization, Truth Social, would be considered a public figure. They would not have to just prove media negligence. They would have to prove malice. And that's going to be a very hard bar to get over. But even if Trump loses, he can at least beat these guys up in court and prove how sloppy they were in their reporting and that they were doing it uh, with negligence at the very least and possible harmful intent at the most. Just finishing up here with uh, Jeff McCall, professor of communications at DePaul University. Um, Jeff Newsbusters uh, pointed out today that the networks are barely mentioning Joe Biden's 81st birthday uh, with the idea that the reason the reason they're not doing it is because that is being held against Joe Biden, his age and his um, his feeble, uh, apparently feeble mind and his dementia and everything else. They don't want to bring any attention to it because if they mention that he's 81 and with, with the happy birthday, they might have to throw in there that, well, you know what, he's acting like he's 81. Yeah, it, it is interesting that they don't want to call any attention to his birthday. Uh, and the thing is, if he were 81 and vibrant and oh, yeah. cognitively sharp, they would be happy to celebrate his birthday with him. But they can't really do that when he's not, you know, vital and cognitively sharp. And you might remember during the Clinton and Obama administrations, when Clinton and Obama had birthdays, the media was happy to celebrate oh, them yeah. and make a big deal about it and talk about which celebrities had been at the birthday party at the White House and everything like that. So the media narrative is normally when a president has a birthday to celebrate it and make a big deal about it. And the fact that they did not for Biden just shows that they're trying to control the narrative and they don't want to call any attention to the fact that not only is this guy 81, but he's physically and probably cognitively not up to the job anymore. Yeah, he's he's uh, very old for his age at 81. Yeah, even at 81. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Jeff, always good uh, to have you on. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you uh, soon. Thanks. I look, I look forward to it, John. Thank you. Okay, that's Jeff McCall. We'll be right back. Well, the Biden administration has done a really good job of uh, promoting transgender insanity for the last three years. Uh, he's got at least one more year left of doing that, assuming he's going to be president uh, a year from now. Um, so what, what could they possibly be doing with the Census Bureau to, to promote that? Mike Gonzalez is a senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation, and he joins us now. Mike, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. So uh, what could they possibly be do, doing with the Census Bureau, and, that, and, and it's costing $10 million to do it? Well, they want to add a question on gender identity and ask that question to minors as young as 15. Uh, and, and that, sadly, is one more instance of the left using the census to, to subdivide the country. The, the census was captured by the identity politics uh, of, of race, of color, of ethnicity, mm -hmm. already back in the, in the late 70s. And really, they, they, they captured it over the years, and now it's, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much a, 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 an instrument of it. 
But this is now a, a, a further step into identity politics, but this time with sex. So what they want to do is ask people what they, how they identify, and they want, but they want to <coughs> ask this in a way that sticks with the population. So they're asking Congress for $10 million to find the best way <coughs> to, to ask this question in the, in the American Community Survey. And, uh, you know, I think this is a very dangerous uh, new direction. We should stop asking questions on race, especially races that are made made up by the bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. This time we're going to ask questions on, on, on gender identities that are made up by the bureaucracy. And, uh, and, and it's, it's not just a waste of money, but it's much more pernicious than that. It's, a, it's, a, it's an attempt to divide the country. Yeah, you write about this at the Daily Signal. You write, the Bureau creates categories out of whole cloth hiving off segments of our population that had been until now collectiv- not collectivized, and you re- reference to Hispanics or Asian Americans. Um, so uh, to the, is this uh, purposeful, what they're doing? They, they know what the result of this is going to be, and, and it benefits them? Well, they, they know what they want to do. They want to create, first of all, I think Americans are becoming aware that, that they, they society, but especially the, the sense-making institutions, the culture-making institutions are caught in a, in, in a paradigm of the oppressed versus the oppressor. All of life is divided into, and it's, all of life is seen through power dynamics, and they, they, everybody belongs to an oppressor group or to an oppressed group. But to, to do that, you must create groups. <coughs> and these groups can be uh, racial groups, and these groups can be ethnic groups, like... Um, Hispanics is not a, a racial group; it's an ethnic, it's an ethnic group. Uh, blacks and whites are a racial group, <clears throat> but this is a, a further step into a, a new dimension. This is multidimensional, and this will be on on a, on a, on a sexual basis. They want to know what uh, they want to ask again: children as young as fifteen. Um, questions on on sexual um, soji, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a, a, a sexual. Um, identity and and, uh, and 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 gender identity, uh, sexual orientation and gender identity, and uh, and they want to formulate this question. They want to 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 retool it so that it sticks best with the population. Uh, obviously, the answer is no. Congress should deny this money. Right. There's no reason for the census to do this. Already, two senators, Marco Rubio of Florida. And J.D. Vance of Ohio, I've sent a letter to the director of the census, who was appointed by by, by Biden, of course, and that's Robert Santos, <clears throat> telling him, and I'm going to read directly from the letter, quote, biology determines gender, not subjective belief, and the Bureau should not jeopardize the legitimacy of crucial statistical information by endorsing unscientific and untrue concepts like gender identity. This is all based on the... Uh, <coughs> On, on the, the obviously erroneous belief uh, that, that that sex is that gender is assigned at birth, mm-hmm. uh, which is completely unscientific. You know, the left likes to say that it's the, the party of science. <clears throat> we know, without a doubt, that sex happens at conception. That that when the egg is inseminated, if the sperm carries an, a Y chromosome, that means that the baby is going to be male. And if the sperm carries an X chromosome, the baby's going to be female. It's going to have two X chromosomes. 
one from the egg, another from the sperm. This is scientific fact. And, and so it happens at conceptions. It happens at fertilization. It does not, it doesn't get assigned at birth. That is just that that's sophistry or, or, or really voodoo science. And we really should have to stop doing this to ourselves. But I guess I'm having a little trouble understanding how this costs $10 million to, to formulate questions. Because they want to do it in a way that, that um, uh, they, they want to do it in a way that Americans will accept. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and they want to test. test you know, I'm going to read to you from, from the letter, that uh, the, 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 the proposal that the census sent to Congress. Okay. <laughs> it said that this, like, this initiative, so I want to read, quote, this initi- initiative supports cognitive testing to better construct question wording on SOGI topics. No. In other words, they want to, to construct questions to convince Americans that this is the case, to make them malleable, to make them answer, uh, to, 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 <clears throat> they did this with Hispanics. Hispanics did not exist, you know, back in 1977 when, when it was invented. It was just invented by, by, by the Office of Management and Budget. <clears throat> Everybody, I, I guarantee you that if you leave your office today and you ask somebody younger than 30 or 40, they will tell you that Hispanics is a race. It has always been a race. It's something that goes back to the beginning of time. They, they would have no idea that the, our government created it as a category and that our government spent a lot of money testing how to best how to, how to best get the American population to accept this. And, and it has been accepted. But they want to do this with Soji, with sexual orientation and gender identity. They want to do exactly the same thing. That takes a lot of money. It's a, it's, it's a bad use of money. It's an evil use of money, but it takes money. Well, the Democrats were in charge back in, uh, in, back in the 70s. Um, I'm trying to think, 1977, uh, Jimmy Carter was president, right? right? So... Um, to what end were they creating? They must have had uh, uh, a method to their madness. Yeah, they wanted to create victims. Mm-hmm. They wanted to create victim groups. They actually passed a law, the only law that we have in our books that defines what a what an what a, an ethnic group is, that defines um, Hispanics, and it says that it must be people who have suffered discrimination because of their their last name, but because of their you know, their origin and, and, and somehow traced to Spain or Portugal. Right. Uh, this is this is this is the search for victims. Mm-hmm. You need to you need to produce victims. If you're going to have oppressed and oppressors, you know, uh, you know, demand that outstrips supply here. Yeah, so we need to we need to produce better supply of victim groups. Mm-hmm. Well, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez refers to herself as a person of a woman of color. That that wasn't happening twenty years ago either. No, that wasn't happening. That didn't happen at all. <clears throat> now we could now some Hispanics are obviously of color, others are not. Yeah. Uh, if we accept the term of color, mm-hmm. which is also dubious provenance, we should stop thinking in these ways. You know, especially our government. Our government should give race less salience, not more salience. It should give, you know, sexual identity less salience rather than more. It is crazy that the census wants to do this, let alone spend $10 million doing it. We definitely have better uses for our money 
But what bothers me is not just the, the money that is going to be wasted. It's the intent. The intent is to create victim, victim groups. I don't know if I'm, I'm being clear here. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm getting it. I, I, it's just I'm, it's amazing to me that I never really thought of it this way, that it, it, it can use the census to do this. And uh, by by getting back to the gender identity issue, by asking the question and making it an official government question on an official census report, you are legitimizing it and yeah. you are you are you are establishing that this is a real thing and it yeah, needs to be discussed. So, You're making it official. You're officializing it, and that's and, and so this is not an accident that that they're doing. No, this. no, no, no. This is this is thoroughly thought out. And what's what, and what? How far along are we on this? Can it? I, you mentioned that uh, a couple of senators, uh, Rubio, uh, for one, sent a letter saying that we can't do this. How how far along is this, and can it be stopped? Yeah, of course. It can not be giving the money. Now I'm going to do everything I can to stop it. <laughs> J.D. Vance uh, also signed the letter. This is a very pernicious division of our country into ever-growing number of categories, of victim categories, which 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 is not which does not end well. And we saw it. We saw it does not end well when we saw kids taken to the streets to support, you know, ma- a massacre in, in the Holy Land and gang rape. Mm-hmm. Only because they put it through the prism of the oppressor versus the oppressed. Yeah, they can do anything they once it, they do that. Yeah, they put it through that, <laughs> and then, then they, they then they assign the category of oppressed to Palestinian terrorists, and they assign the category of oppressor to Israeli civilian victims who were who were burned to death or or, or raped in the streets, gang raped. Or, or, or beheaded, and and they were assigned to the category of depressor, which made kids whom we have raised, who are who, who are members of our family, completely you know lacking a moral center, be in a moral fog, and, and take to the streets to support Palestinian terrorists because they think they're oppressed. This is what it does. We have seen the results. Bad things happen when we do this. Mm-hmm. We just saw it. Six weeks ago. We've seen it right now, every weekend. Just finishing up with Mike Gonzalez. You can find his piece at the Daily Signal at DailySignal.com. Um, this is just another version of weaponizing government. Who thought that they could weaponize the census, right? And that's this. Isn't this just more weaponization? They have been weaponizing the census now for three decades. The census had the census resisted this. Mm-hmm. In the early seventies, the census stood up to the activists and said no. No, we don't want to do this. We have all the data that we need. And this, the activist said, we don't need data. We need groups. We need categories. This is a civil rights issue. So, so the census then surrendered. In the mid, it, it really kind of started with Nixon. Nixon was caught up in, in Watergate, and, and, he, and he, threw, he gave up. It was finally in 1977 when, when OMB under Carter created the categories, but... But really, it, it goes back. It went back like two or three years earlier, when when Nixon, when Nixon's director of the census gave up. And uh, but but up to then, the census bureaucrats had fought a good battle against this. Now now they know. Now they're part of it. Now they're part of the rot. We need to do something. And if we get a new conservative president, 
in there in 2025 or whenever it is, 2029, whenever, they need to, 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 to really go in and clean house. Well, there's a lot of house cleaning that needs to be done. <laughs> Let's just hope it can get started as soon as possible. Mike, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, I think I, I hope I was clear. This is no, kind very, of... very clear, very clear to me, and I'm thick, so I figure everybody else <laughs> got it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Thanks. you, Mike. Bye. All right, that's Mike Gonzalez. Uh, you can find him at DailySignal.com. We'll be right back. Well, I can't uh, go without saying something about the biggest story in uh, possibly in the entire world right now, especially in western Pennsylvania, but it might be the number one story on the planet right now, and that's that the Steelers uh, fired their offensive coordinator today, Matt Canada. Um, and believe me, <laughs> I'm, I'm only kind of exaggerating on that because there are people who are uh, riding around today thrilled, and they may go home and celebrate tonight. Uh, at the news that Matt Canada was fired. And a couple of things about that. I saw a video, uh, I think it was on, on X, um, of the local sports station celebrating and jumping around like a bunch of fanboys when they heard that Matt Canada was fired. The news broke that Matt Canada was fired. And uh, there's been a lot of that. I've, I don't know if it's Matt Canada's fault that the offense stinks. I'm sure he's, uh, uh, he's you know, he's to blame. He's, he should get a lot of the blame. But just the way the guy was talked about and the way he was treated during this, it made me feel bad for the guy. And, I'm again, I'm not suggesting that he didn't deserve to be fired. Maybe he did. But it's the glee uh, with which it's being uh, received and also this the nonstop fire Matt Canada stuff. I mean, people were chanting it at – Penguins games. They were chanting "Fire Matt Canada," and he is a guy. You know, he's got a family. He's he's trying at his job, and I and I've been critical of lots of people uh, here and other places. And when it comes to sports, I, I've I've always been a little when I was covering sports, I was a little hesitant to call for people to be fired. Um, there are uh, there have been exceptions, but and and again, maybe this guy should have been fired. But come on. Uh, it's it's just it's not something to be celebrating in the streets over. Just move on. It's only football. And by the way, there's no no guarantee that it's going to make any difference whatsoever. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.